Hi everyone, welcome to the February episode of Cumberland Conversations, the official podcast for the community of Cumberland City. I'm your host Philippa, and in this series of monthly podcasts, we bring you the news and discussions that impact the local Cumberland community. I'm now going to welcome back Daniel Cavallo, our Director of Environment and Planning, to introduce our special guest for this month. Welcome back to Cumberland Conversations, Daniel. Over to you. Thanks, Philippa. It's now my great pleasure to welcome our special guest, Dr. Sebastian Fouch. Sebastian is a Professor of Urban Management and Planning at Western Sydney University. While most of his work is concerned with the cooling functions delivered by urban green infrastructure, his applied projects deal with heat mitigation far beyond this and include surface and building materials, artificial shade structures and more. Sebastian's work takes place at different scales, from microclimates in streets, parks, playgrounds, schools and hospitals, to heat monitoring across entire suburbs and local government areas, including Cumberland. His work brought vegetated green track to the new light rail in Parramatta, established Australia's largest smart urban green infrastructure project at Sydney Olympic Park, and delivered Australia's prototype UV smart cool playground in Marylands, which we'll talk about in a bit more detail shortly. Welcome to Cumberland Conversations, Sebastian. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Daniel. It's my pleasure. I'm now going to hand over to my colleague, Daniel Anderson, who is the Executive Manager of Environment and Planning Systems, as his team have been working most closely with Sebastian on a number of projects. Thanks, Daniel. And welcome, Sebastian. So first of all, can you tell our listeners what urban heat is? And more importantly, apart from the sun, what causes it? Mm. Daniel, urban heat is the combination of our activities um, as humans in our city that produce heat, waste heat. Uh, It's the factory, it's traffic, it's your air conditioning system. So all of these activities of humans in our city that produce waste heat contribute to urban heat. When we talk about urban heat, it is the combination of all the anthropogenic excess heat plus um, the radiant heat that we get from all our surfaces that are heated up from the sunshine. And yes, the sunshine, of course, plays a major role as energy source, warming up all these materials that we put in cities that most of the time have a very high thermal mass and therefore store heat really well. Apart from feeling uncomfortable and sweaty, what are the effects on urban heat on the environment and our community? There are multiple effects. Most importantly, heat and particularly extreme heat. So anything above 35 and 38 degrees Celsius really impacts very young, so the children and the toddlers, and also the very old that are frail um, and have to work much harder to keep their body temperature at 37.6 degrees Celsius. And then there are all these people that, for example, take medication that is impacted by extreme heat, We also uh, see that, for example, thermoregulation, uh, certain medication that you take doesn't allow your body to thermally regulate properly anymore. So you you sweat much less. And that means you cannot um, regulate your body temperature so well. So that's all human impacts on your health. And of course, the worst scenario is a heat shock and then cardiac arrest. That does happen. There are milder impacts from headaches to nosebleeds to cramps. So various, various um, and also very severe health impacts on the environment. Of course, uh, that's a different story. 
you may have come across those um, images from flying foxes falling out of their roost trees because they cannot regulate their body temperature at all and can only sustain life until about 42 degrees. So if we have extreme heat events, um, flying foxes are very likely to die. And in the summer of 2019-20, we lost about 65% of all our flying foxes in eastern Australia due to extreme heat events. So there are these environmental impacts often when you get extreme heat that's paired with drought. And then, of course, you have all these drought impacts where plants die, the park looks really shabby, and you get lots of uh, vegetation dieback. Uh, that also increases then, of course, fire risks and so on and so forth. So there, there are um, much wider implications when you get to extreme heat and prolonged extreme heat together with drought that then impact um, our natural environment. You've been working with Cumberland Council for some time now on a range of different urban heat projects. Can you please tell us about some of the current exciting projects you're working with us on? I'd love to because Cumberland is really nice to work with us in that heat space. Very progressive, I have to say, from many of the councils throughout Greater Sydney. Cumberland is doing really well to have us experiment um, and find solutions that actually work. So what we've done, and you mentioned it already, or uh, Daniel mentioned it already before, the, the UV Smart Cool Playground at Marylands in Memorial Park is a is an Australia first, really, where we transformed an existing accessible playground. So a playground where um, everyone can play. It's a very important aspect of playgrounds and um, how we support and manage them so that also people with disabilities can have some fun. Now, this playground was completely transformed and is now a cool playground where beautiful shade allows the community uh, to play many more hours. So the impact was profound because I met people while I was doing the research that said we couldn't use this uh, playground in summer for many, many hours during the day when we wanted to come with our kids, but there was zero shade. So it was just too hot. Other projects were the heat mapping study that we've done, where we characterized all the microclimates across the whole LGA. And at the moment, very exciting, we're working on two car park projects where we introduce metal structures that fast and slow growing vines will grow over and therefore provide shade on those car parks. And that's the Holroyd Gardens car park and also the Wentworthville commuters car park, where we have our second structure uh, going probably up in the next week or so. Um, this is very, very exciting again, because it's a first uh, for Australia to test how well we can have these structures in car parks, of which we, by the way, have six square kilometers in Western Sydney that are unshaded asphalt car parks, and they all contribute to urban heat and urban overheating. And so we're trying with Cumberland solutions to cool car parks down without planting trees, because in many car parks, you can't plant trees because then you lose car parking space and nobody wants to lose that space. So we're trying different methods. And again, Cumberland was on board with this. It's really exciting. Very, very new work. You touched on it briefly earlier. Who in the community are at more risk from the effects of urban heat? So urban heat, particularly impactful for toddlers, very young, so babies, a uh, few months old, they don't have the capacity to sweat. And of course, they don't have any means of communicating that they are too hot. The other group that is regularly mentioned, and I did this before, is the old and frail and those that are bound to bed. But one or a few groups that people keep forgetting, and I would like to mention them, are, for example, the outdoor workers, 
They are absolutely impacted by uh, heat and extreme heat events. Policing and any other emergency services that still have to function at 45 degrees um, are also impacted. All of these have to wear PPE. They have heavy boots. They have long sleeves, long pants that keeps them hot. So there are some very severe impacts that you can expect on these groups as well during um, heat events. How can planners help mitigate the urban heat island effect? How can planners help? Well, they can start implementing some really smart heat mitigation strategies. One, for example, where we want to use different materials in the built environment that have a higher reflectivity and therefore absorb less heat. You can also see, and this is currently happening in a couple of uh, local governments in Greater Sydney, that council approves new legislation for the local government plans, the LEPs, local environment plans, where heat um, is addressed head on. And if you bring a DA to your council, your council now has a tool with which it can test how well your development improves or mitigates uh, anything related to heat. So how is insulation looking like? What are the materials and colors that you're using? Um, And so on and so forth. Goes down to that you should plant a tree in front of your house to provide shade and probably two in the back of your house if you have the space left and the planners um, approved uh, that kind of building where you you have the means to introduce more green infrastructure. So there are a few things that council can do, and we see them uh, coming also into the legislated space because we really need them to happen as canopy, particularly tree canopy, is still declining in most of the LGAs across Greater Sydney. In the instance of an urban heat event or a heat wave, such we've had some recently, what can people in the community do to stay safe? So the very first thing is stay hydrated and stay in the shade. That's really the the absolute basic. When you then think of what can you what else can you do? So let's say you stay in the shade, you stay at home, what do you do to your home? Because only running your air conditioning there are a lot of people that cannot afford running the aircon. So there there are other means for example, passive ventilation, um, trying to cool your place down in the morning hours and throughout the night, but then closing it up, um, putting uh, heavy drapes in front of your windows. Keep your If you have shutters, keep your windows shut because windows are a very good entry gate for heat into your home. So there are lots of things that you can do at home. And then, of course, when we think about work, we need to look at heat policies that keep people safe from a work health and safe environment um, approach. So we need to have clear plans, who is doing what kind of work under which conditions, and that also must regulate how you work when um, extreme heat events are with us and we see them more and more often in our summers. So we we definitely need to uh, come up with some regulation in that space as well, keeping people safe at work. So Sebastian, thank you very much for your time today. There were some really great insights for the community and some great things for councils to consider in our way of responding to urban heat in our communities. So thank you again for your time, Sebastian. Thank you. I hope everyone stays safe throughout the hot part of the year. Sebastian, thanks for sharing your time with us and for being part of the Cumberland Conversations podcast. You've given our listeners a lot to think about and lots of great tips to avoid heat on hot days. And Daniel and Dan, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you both on the show. Thank you. Thank you. 
This month, we have a number of new consultations for you to check out. Pippita Rail Trail Master Plan is now open for your feedback. A copy of the master plan and dates of community engagement sessions are on the Have Your Say website. Submissions are due by the 10th of March. Great Western Highway South Wentworthville Voluntary Agreement is open for your feedback until the 5th of March. Terminal Place Maryland's preliminary consultation is open for your feedback until the 28th of February. Proposed lane naming in Granville, Hyatt Lane, is open for your feedback until the 11th of March. Finally, we have our 2024 Senior and Disability Survey available on the Have Your Say website, as well as dates for the upcoming focus groups information sessions. This consultation ends on the 12th of April. For more information on all these projects and to provide feedback, please visit the Cumberland Conversations website. There are also a number of Stay Informed projects that have been updated with information for you to review. Changes have been made to the Maryland CBD Infrastructure Upgrade Timeline. Stay up to date by checking the Maryland CBD Infrastructure Upgrades page. Keep up with the Guildford, Guildford Mural Project news because in March we'll be launching a call-out for artists to submit their expressions of interest to create these new works. The new sporting term is starting. To keep up to date, follow the sports portal for all of your community sport information. We also encourage you to register on the Have Your Say site. That way you can receive our monthly newsletter with notifications of the latest consultations and other community news. These are just a few of the current consultations and projects on our site, so please check the Cumberland Conversations website to see them all and make sure you have your say. We now have an update on a very exciting project. So I'd like to welcome our Acting Manager of Engineering and Building, Elias Elias. And of course, welcome back our Director of Environment and Planning, Daniel Cavallo, who was on earlier today. Hi, Philippa. Hi, Philippa. Thanks for having us. Daniel, give the people what they want. Tell us about the Pivota Rail Trail. How did this project come about? Thanks, Philippa. It's a project that's been in the making for a very long time. There's been a lot of groups over many years that have suggested a link between Lickham Station and Sydney Olympic Park via the former abattoir line, which had a stop at Pippeda. We had a group come to council about three years ago, and they suggested this um, solution as a way of responding to growth and improving transport access in the area. Council did some initial work and presented it to the council, which was very keen to explore it further. Council then provided an application to the New South Wales government under the Get Active program to seek funding to progress the planning and design, and Council was very fortunate to receive that funding from the state government. With that effort, we've worked closely with the state agencies, with the City of Parramatta, with Council's own engineering team, as well as receiving early feedback from the community to come up with a master plan and concept design, which we have today. Elias, this went on consultation previously in late 2022. What happened then? What were the next steps? That's correct. Cumberland held its first public consultation regarding Pepita Rail Trail in November 2022 for 28 days. The aim of this consultation was to obtain feedback regarding the community's needs and wants in relation to the walking and cycling trail. An interactive map was provided on Council's Have You Say page, which resulted in some really good feedback and submissions. In saying that, Council received nearly 100 submissions in total, where the majority supported the proposal and believed it would encourage them to walk and cycle more. So it was a great result there. 
Since then, Council has been working hard with internal and external stakeholders, such as Transport for New South Wales, Sydney Trains, City of Parramatta, Sydney Olympic Park Authority, and to continuously develop the master plan to ensure the project is a success. The master plan you see today is approximately the 10th revision, so I can assure you that a lot of thought has been put in by the team, which is a great achievement today. And can you tell us what some of the highlights or key features are in the new master plan? Yes, um, I will say there are two things. One is uh, the placemaking element. A lot of residents are interested as to why the project is called Pepita Rail Trail. To reflect that, uh, we looked at creating interactive spaces and resting points, highlighting the historic elements, such as what you see in some of the artist impressions. This included signage depicting Pepita Station, artworks, photographs relating to its history to put on display so that commuters can read and interact with the space whilst on their journey. Obviously, this will be further developed once we move on to the detailed design and obtain more community feedback that we're currently seeking. The other thing I would say is the master plan has looked into various sections of the trail. That is the on-road section, the Sydney Trains Corridor and then the Olympic Park End and considered various options. For example, the corridor section has a combination of outgrade and elevated boardwalk. So when people go into the corridor section, they'll, they'll have a different experience compared to the on-road section, which renders through the existing trees overlooking the rail lines and possibly Sydney Olympic Park. Another important component are the two bridges and its design. People will overlook the M4 Highway and Parramatta Road when they walk through to Sydney Olympic Park side. The proposed design of the bridge takes into consideration the structures of both the up and down line bridges of the abattoir line. The concept has been developed to enhance the existing structure and reflect the site's significant history. So, yeah, there is something to look forward to. Fantastic. Thanks for that overview. Now, Daniel, how can people find out more information about this? Thanks, Philippa. Council has a Have You Say page, which has all the details about the master plan and concept design. There's also an opportunity in that to find out some of the earlier information and there will also be opportunities during the consultation period for people to attend the pop-up sessions in Lithcombe. So there's plenty of information out there and I encourage those um, interested to come and have a look. Finally, Elias, can you tell our listeners how they can give feedback? Yeah, as mentioned by Daniel, there are some engagement sessions still remaining. We had one over the weekend and next Saturday, 2nd of March, between 11 and 1pm, both at Lidcombe Station. So you can come pay us a visit. I'll be there with the team so we can answer any questions you have. Also, residents can email us um, on council at cumberland.nsw.gov.au or they can visit our Have Your Say page. Um, simply complete a Google search, Cumberland Have Your Say, Pepita Rail Trail Master Plan and follow the link. They can download all the information and complete a submission there. Daniel and Elias, thank you both for sharing this update on such an exciting project. Pepita Railtray has been getting a lot of media attention, so it's great to have the information directly from those involved with it. I'm sure our um, community is very thankful for you to give that update. Thanks, Phil. I appreciate the opportunity to update the community. I encourage those to have their say, and we look forward to finalising the master plan and concept design so Council can put a proposal forward to the State Government to take the project to delivery. Thanks, Philippa. Yeah, and just to add to that, um, I forgot to mention, consult closes on Sunday, 10th of March, so please submit before that time, and we'll hope to hear from everyone soon. Absolutely. Thank you. That brings us to the end of this episode of Cumberland Conversations. Thank you again to Daniel and Elias for the latest news about the Pepita Rail Trail. 
And thanks also to Dan and Sebastian for the discussion earlier on urban heat and how we can mitigate it in our homes. And special mention goes to Eliza and Erica from the Community Engagement Team for their excellent work on the podcast. I would also like to thank you, our listeners, for spending this time with us. I hope you found it informative and enjoyable, and we look forward to catching up with you again next month. You have been listening to Cumberland Conversations, the official podcast for the community of Cumberland City. You can listen to this podcast for free on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and the Cumberland City Council website. 